Hello and welcome to Sharp China. I'm Andrew Sharp, and you are listening to a free preview of today's episode. You asked this question in your open thread on Friday: What kind of message does the detention of banker Bao Fan, possibly to assist in an investigation, send to finance professionals and private business people? Should it be seen as an isolated case that has no bearing on the renewed efforts to make private businesses feel more confident? And just so that everyone knows what we're talking about here, I'll read from the Financial Times late last week. China's top tech dealmaker Bao Fan has gone missing, according to his company China Res- Renaissance, leaving one of the country's leading investment banks in turmoil. Bao founded China Renaissance in 2005 after stints at Morgan Stanley and Credit Suisse, gradually turning the boutique advisory shop into one of China's top financial institutions. Often winning away tech financings and mergers from larger Wall Street rivals, his disappearance comes despite Beijing appearing to ease away from its crackdown on the country's tech companies, which had battered China Renaissance's business. So, what do you think is happening here? And and to your question on Friday, like, how can any outside investor? Read this and not be concerned about. Well, so there are, few, there are a few levels going on. I mean, one is that um, you know actually the the Chinese media outlet Taishin has had the best coverage of this, and and from their reporting, it appears to be connected to the hiring of a of a, a senior banker from um, I think it was ICBC, one of the top um, state owned banks, mm-hmm. who came over to China Renaissance and who was the second highest paid executive. Um, who was the, detained last fall? Okay. Um, and when he was at ICBC, he did some business with China Renaissance. He gave him a loan. I think there's, there's, and, and so there's the, the backdrop is on the one hand you've got this coming out of the COVID exit, uh, the the problems of the economy. You've had this renewed, real renewed campaign to to reassure investors, foreign and and domestic and private businesses that know we're. We're, we're open for business. We 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 will treat business private friendly, businesses yeah. business friendly. We'll treat private businesses the same as we'll treat the state-owned businesses. Um, you also have so there was the you know the there's the Central um, Disciplinary Inspection Commission, which is the sort of the the body that oversees sort of ideological and and behavioral enforcement, especially around corruption. And they had their plenum in January. And out of the plenum, one of the things in their Rita and their communique was they were going to be looking at. Um, uh, basically, stuff in the financial sector was one mm-hmm. area, and so um, and there've been a, there's been a long line of cases over the last couple of years about corruption in the financial sector. So so you kind of have in potentially two different campaigns that are merging here, where on the one hand you have policymakers wanting to make people feel more comfortable about the business environment, provide more confidence. On the other hand, you have the party disciplinary body saying, you know, we we're going to go through these different systems, and specifically talking about. The financial system in one of the areas, and we're going to root out corruption. And one of the areas of corruption that has become an issue over the last couple of years is, I think the term it's called like option corruption, which is basically it sounds like what happens. It's like revolving door, except you don't go back. Is you're at a state-owned enterprise, a state-owned institution, and then you get hired away into the private sector, and maybe it's a company you've done some business with before, and suddenly you get paid a huge amount of money. Uh. The so like the guy, this guy, I think his name was Holding, the guy from China Renaissance, who's the president who was taken away last fall. Um, he apparently, according to this Tyson article yesterday, he was he came in to, to China Renaissance. He was the second highest paid executive after Balfan in the company. Uh-huh. Um, so it, that's sort of one, that's one thread. And that um, does happen here too. It happens here all the time. And, and so, so <laughs> um, 
that that's one that's one thread. And then on specifically on the China Renaissance stuff and Balfon, one of the problems though is leaving aside sort of the maybe the sort of the broader kind of regulatory political context is, you know, here's a guy who is um, he's incredibly successful. I mean, I met him a couple of times when he was starting China Renaissance. I had friends who worked for him. Had you know, a lot of people who raised money for him. He 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 was uh, if go back and write the history of sort of the rise of Chinese internet and TMT companies in the 2000s and 2010s, you know, you can't get away from Balfon and the role he played in helping to f- get financing for these companies. And, right? and he started out as China Renaissance was basically a broker where they would they would match PRC firms, startups that were looking for money with uh, venture capitalists and then like hedge funds, mostly foreign. Some, at the mm-hmm. time, it was mostly foreign money. And then I think he he was a very ambitious guy. He wanted to be more than just like a broker, like sort of a matchmaker. He wanted why can't I be an investment bank too? So that's why he got all the right licenses. He became, you know, became a, more of an investment bank. He could underwrite IPOs. He, you know, went public in Hong Kong. Um, and you know, the guy worked his butt off. I mean, he worked yeah. all the time, and he knew everybody, knows everybody in the industry. Um, he did the right things, like when Mum Wanjo, the Huawei CFO, was um, trying to get bail when she was detained in Canada. He was one of the people who wrote a guarantee letter. Um, right. You know, so he's sort of been on the right side yeah. of a lot of things. And so what I think is quite, quite shocking is once again, how did we find out that he was detained? Wasn't announced. It was just suddenly the company put out an announcement last Friday. Like we can't get in touch with the guy. Yeah. Right. And, and <laughs> that's what's so contact, crazy. Right. Yeah. And that's where leaving aside whether there have been ethical violations or some sort of corruption right. charge or whatever the case may be, the complete lack of due process, transparency, and or, or transparency disappearing like, the law. And, and so this is the, so, and sh- so and literally a month ago, China was sending messages at Davos that they're super pro business these they, days. They still are. And, and it's like, I just don't understand how you can, allow something like this to happen if only for the sake of optics if the goal is to well, it's bring back it's investment different bureaucracies and you know the party discipline inspection commission is an extremely powerful and secretive body unlikely they're going to call the sort of econ guys and say, hey is this going to be okay or the office can be bad they're gonna be like they're following a case yeah right and balfan may have you know we, we from the reports so far and again these are you know mostly like taishi again has been the best source so far you know, it's people who close situation. It's not Balfan being investigated. It's what the it's what there's a term called assisting the investigation, where you may have some useful information. So they bring you in, they keep you segregated, and then they you're interrogate you to sort of see what you're gonna. Well, it's sometimes it's been a few days, sometimes it's been months. Wow, you, you don't know, and they don't tell you, and you can't like put out a press. I mean, it, it, sometimes actually companies will come out and say like they were just the investigation, but it takes a while because they don't, you can't just like call the local press office of the discipline, especially say, Hey, you got my guy, what's going on. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's not how it works. It's very secretive. Mm-hmm. It's very opaque. And so the, the problem again goes back to, it may very well be that this is a legitimate case that's being pursued against his former colleague. He may have knowledge, but it's the way the process works and the capriciousness of the process and right. the powerlessness that even some of the richest people in China face when they get stuck in these situations that I think is, again, one of the one of the most important factors to causing lots of, well, there's a reason why there are a lot of really wealthy Chinese in Singapore now, some, right. of, whom, some of whom raised some of their money from Baofan over the years. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is it's the capriciousness that strikes me as an outsider yeah. and so, would strike me <laughs> if I was an investor. So, so I mean, so he's it sounds like it's been week plus. There was a case in I think it was 2017 or 18 where the head of this big conglomerate called Fosun was uh, detained for several days. Similar situation. Big uproar. Like what's going on? Because if he goes down. You know, if he were the one being investigated, that this was a massive conglomerate, yeah. could had all sorts of ties all over the political system, the financial system. He was then like got out after I think like a week or a little bit less than a week, and he was just quote unquote assisting investigation. Then that's he's basically he's okay. Okay. So one of the other things that there was in this Taishin article yesterday was um, that since his colleague was detained last fall. Bao Fan has it's what's called Bien Kong. He he was not allowed to leave the country. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, one of the questions is, well, who, who knew that he probably knew it. Cause if you, you basically you get put on a list, you try and leave, you, you can't leave. You know, there's always, there's exit control at every border crossing in China. And so who at Renaissance might've known, maybe you didn't tell me, but we don't know, but it, but it's like, so he, this guy's been sort of knowing that something's going on. Well, he's on a list for some period of time. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And, and I don't know whether you wrote this or tweeted it, but it was a question of like, what duty to disclose does the company have? Yeah. If I mean, I, I think, I, I, I think ultimately the company had to disclose because it got to the point where, I mean, you can't, he's the, he's the biggest shareholder. He's the chairman. Right. Like at some point, I mean, you can't, you can't pretend like, but it's also arguably material if he's not allowed to leave China. Right. Um, um, yeah, but maybe given, given knew. what that can signal, but again, who, did, who knows, did he, did he tell a lot of people? I mean, it's just one of those things where, so, so anyway, it's, it's a, it's a difficult situation where, like I said earlier, it, it could very well be that it's a legitimate case that's being pursued against this other person, but it's the way the process is working that I think does a lot of damage to, um, the attempts to sort of pitch it as we're back, we're open for business, everyone gets treated the same, we're transparent, rule of law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. All right, and that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive full episodes of this show, you can do that in two ways. First, you can go to sinicism.com and sign up for Bill's newsletter, which will also give you access to all of our Sharp China shows. Or if you want to receive all our Sharp China episodes, along with daily analysis of the tech business from Ben Thompson, several other podcasts about technology, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come, you can click the link in your show notes and subscribe to Stratechery Plus. 